0: Welcome into a brand new Tuesday scramble. It's February 22nd, 2022. That is a lot of twos. I'm Rick Gaiman, that right there, Andy Lack. And my dude, what's going on? Not much, man. Uh, excited to be here. Uh,
1: it feels like it's been a while. It's a long uh, weekend uh, at Riviera, but I am excited for the Honda Classic. I think this is a really fun and interesting tournament.
0: Yeah, we are going to recap the Genesis just for a bit. We're going to do a lot of previewing of the Honda Classic. We will get to our props. We will get to head-to-head matchups. We will talk one and done. We'll do all that fun stuff. And we are, of course, presented by PrizePix. Uh, We're going to do an entire segment on this, but they've got hole-by-hole scoring. They've got bear trap scoring. There's just a lot happening. If you want to sign up, the code you're looking for is RICK. It's a 100% instant deposit match up to $100, but Andy, shall we start with the Genesis? Shall we start with Joaquin Neiman going wire to wire at one of the bigger events of the year?
1: Yeah, I mean it was it was such an incredible performance. I um I think the thing about Neiman that always has my attention is he's so much younger than I think, right? Like he's younger than all yeah. those guys like Scheffler and Zalatoris and even guys like sahith he's younger than um but he's been playing on the pga tour right for so long and he got that early win at the Greenbrier, and then i don't want to say slowed down but he didn't win for a while right and he lost in that playoff last year at uh uh, Detroit golf club rocket mortgage yeah. where he didn't make a bogey until the playoff hole. And it feels like he kind of got lost in that conversation a little bit where he wasn't getting mentioned uh, with the Zalatoris and the Shefflers. And now I think you have to, I mean, he has firmly entered the chat.
0: Yeah. So geez, we've been on a run here, right? It's been like Luke list, um, Scotty Scheffler, Joaquin Neiman, all these guys who are like, hey, go out and get a win. Go get your first win or get your second win after a long period of time. Go, like, you need a win. It was, feels like we've been rattling these off the last couple of weeks. Yeah,
1: it, it, it sure I mean, a lot of guys that we thought, a lot of guys that were kind of like, Darlings in the fantasy community that guys yeah. like me and you talk about every week, like Luke Lest, uh big stat model guys and stuff like that. So we'll see if we can keep it going uh with uh the Honda this week and see if there's this is a very strange tournament. So we'll see. But I think my question for you about Neiman is um where does where does he stack up now? Is he is he winning a tournament like Riviera? Does that Put you ahead of guys, in your opinion, like Scheffler and Wolf, who haven't won a tournament as big as this one, but they've also been in the mix and majors or like even Hovland. <clears throat> Hovland hasn't won a tournament even remotely as big as what Neiman just did.
0: It's interesting, right? Because I don't necessarily think winning this specific event is some type of springboard. It's obviously incredibly impressive, but um, I feel for Neiman specifically, kind of the same way I felt before, which is he's going to be volatile, still very, very young. His swing, Andy, unlike a lot of other swings on the PGA Tour, and I think that he is kind of a streaky golfer, and he might rattle off a couple of victories in a short period of time, and he might go through long stretches. I do not consider him to be a consistent guy, but I absolutely see him as a high upside ceiling guy. What's the best Neiman's ever done in a
1: major? I can look that I can look that up um, really quickly. I looked it too. up.
0: Uh yeah, look it up for me, but I believe it's like a T30 or T20 something at like the US Open a couple of years ago. His major championship record, I don't believe, is all that great. It's not bad. It's just not like he hasn't been in contention at a major, I don't think. I page froze for a second. But you know who you
1: know where I like him? Um British like at the open championship, right?
0: Because he's got kind of that low piercing ball flight. Yeah. Yeah. That would be interesting. Here's his major championship. So T 23 at the U S open in 2020, that's his best result. Um, he's missed the cut in. What is that? Five of his like, 10 or 12 starts, a bunch of, you know, last year he actually made the cut in all four major championships, but it was T40, T30, T31, T59. So um, that that's kind of how we start to separate guys, right? Now that you've got that second victory on the PGA Tour, especially a big one like this, uh, if he goes out and gets a third regular PGA Tour victory or something like that, we're going to start wondering where the performances are in major championships. And that's a gift and a curse, Andy, because we don't ask that of guys that are of lesser caliber. Yeah, I would agree with that. I think that's a
1: fair take. The other thing that's interesting to me is um, Cameron Young. Like, was there ever a week like I, to for Cameron Young to do something like that at Riviera on a weekend and not be the prevailing story coming out of it is kind of crazy to me. But man, he's another guy that can really
0: play. Hits the ball a mile. I was sitting here Saturday night and I was like, Oh my God. Like if, if Joaquin Neiman wasn't just absolute ceiling right now, I think what do you open like 63, 63 uh, we'd be like, Holy crap. Cam young is three clear of the field with 18 holes to go. And it's a bunch of big names right behind him. Yeah. So hat tip to cam young Uh, played well played in the final group. I mean, was, was awesome, but yeah. How is he? He's not, he's not the story, which is kind of wild. <laughs> He's not the story.
1: If anything, I think Morikawa maybe uh, coming out of that week is is more pertinent on people's minds, which, man, he – like, is there anyone more dangerous, like, to have in your rearview mirror? I mean, it's kind of – it feels like he just – when he gets a taste of it, he – he just closes, right? And he he obviously didn't get it done this time. But once he started making putts and chipping in, like I was surprised that he missed that. I don't know if it was like a nine footer, on 18, it really felt like he was picking up momentum. If the tournament went maybe three holes longer, I think so.
0: Morikawa would have won. <laughs> well, and that would have that would have gone that would have been birdie, birdie, birdie on 16, 17, and 18 for I think the second straight day. He closed Saturday birdieing 16, 17, and 18. He birdied 16 and 17 on Sunday. Has a look on it. Look at it on 18. That would have been like yeah, a lot of pressure to put on Joaquin Neiman. And you're right. I think if they play like two or three more holes, we might be talking about Morikawa with another whip
1: yeah i man he he just i was a little disappointed that we didn't see more from a guy like justin thomas over the weekend right like this is the second time where uh because the same thing happened at tory pines jt got in great position uh heading into the weekend both weeks at tory pines and genesis like he was JT was plus 380 heading into the weekend of the Genesis this week, right? Like his odds were better than Cameron Young. He was yeah. the guy that was directly in Neiman's rearview mirror and he kind of stopped and started a little bit. Uh and I guess the putter was a little bit better, but yeah, my I, I kind of was thinking about JT a lot recently because I feel like he's close but at the same time um not able to get that one low one over the weekend.
0: Yeah, he's been very close often, uh, but has not cashed in a win since the Players' Championship last year. So we're coming up on the one-year anniversary of that. And Andy, you're probably play- playing really close attention to him because he was your one-and-done selection last week. $435,000, bringing your season-long total to $1,895,450 uh, let me see what I had last week. Let me see. Let me see. Let me see. Uh, zero. <laughs> Again, Bubba Watson misses the cut, and I have uh, yet to make a dime this year, and I can see in the chat that Zach... <laughs> jeffers is just here for the curse dl is here to find out who my one and done pick is and to fade it um we talked about this on saturday i think it's actually harder to do what i'm doing than to actually pick good guys for the one and done but um the update speaks for itself here
1: well i saw your pick in the outline i think you have a good pick this week um yeah i mean it is it is remarkable the odds that uh, these guys keep missing the cut. Like <laughs> I said last week, stick to your process. I, You know, I use some big, like, would you be happy with a solo six out of JT and a T3 out of ROM? Because I've used two of, in my opinion, yeah. the best five players in the world. Yeah. Um, and I think I'm okay with a solo six and a T3 out of ROM.
0: Especially in our format where it's just the two of us. I think you just bank those the entire time and you hope that I don't win the Players' Championship or something like that. But um, it would be a little... Ugh, I shouldn't say that. It would, if there's a lot of people in your one to multiple thousands, you might feel a little bit upset. But listen, I mean, if you're piling up three hundred or $400,000 every single week, that that puts you in a really good spot in most situations by the end of the season.
1: Yeah, and I will say... You getting nothing out of Bubba Watson, like where else were you going to use Bubba Watson, yeah, right? Travelers
0: I mean, maybe, I don't know.
1: Hovland hurts. I will say that when you did ho- getting a mess cut out of Hovland hurts, yeah. but Bubba, it's like, I don't even know if I'm ever going to use Bubba.
0: Yeah. What did Hovland do the week before and after I picked Victor? It was like T3, T2 T3. or something. Like You know what I, T3, yeah, T3. That's how it works. Always. Great. Cool. Yeah. Cool. 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 Um, okay. Also, very exciting news! Uh, you, my friend Andy, are coming on my podcast, Three Hundred Yards to Unknown, this week. Which, by the way, so like the I've got the I've got the shirt made up, the Three Hundred Yards to Unknown shirt. Um,
1: yeah, I love that.
0: Which is going to be great because I'll be in studio at the win, and you and I are going to deep dive the Saudi stuff, which has been changing drastically we're going to talk about how we got here where we stand now and is it dead or what are we looking for in the future so i'm very excited about that we're just going to do because it deserves a deep dive there's so much going on it's quite confusing honestly i'm super excited for that too i think it's fascinating i can't
1: tell if this story is underreported. i can't tell what the appetite is for this between like regular golf fans I, i i i don't really know if this is something people care about. It's certainly something I care about. So I'm excited to talk more with it about you because I think it's absolutely fascinating
0: what's happening right now. And part of the time I'm like, how is this not a bigger deal? Yeah. I think maybe one of the most popular golfers to ever play the game was in charge of a coup attempt to create another organization. Like it's it's fascinating. It really is fascinating when you dive into the... T- I was writing out the timeline for, for our outline for the show, and I was like, holy crap. Is all of Did all of this stuff really happen? So, um, yeah, it'll be exciting. I think we're going to... So we're definitely going to record it on Thursday, and it'll probably be out later that afternoon. So I'm looking forward to it.
1: Can you think of a more ideal situation for Netflix, right? For this to no. happen, right? Like, I, I could not think... And, and I hope they utilize that stuff. Like, I hope they... I hope they have a storyline on it because I mean,
0: it has been asked every single presser for every golfer. They've been asked about, about their thoughts about the new league. So I hope there is a lot of stuff on it in the, in the Netflix doc. It'd yeah. Be great.
1: Yeah. Well, tune into our, our Thursday show for an extensive, extensive deep dive on that. I'm super excited to, uh, to chat with you more about it.
0: Yeah, should be a blast. We'll dive into that, but we're going to dive into the Honda Classic on the other side. We're going to take a quick break and hear a word from our partners, Andy. Hit it. Remember, Andy Lack is not only the co-host of The Scramble, but also produces his own show, The Inside Golf Podcast. It's available twice a week focusing on course breakdowns, DFS, and betting strategies for every PGA Tour event. Admittedly, I was drawn to Andy for his data-driven approach, which you'll find on his Sunday shows as he breaks down the field, but I'm even more impressed by his passion for course architecture, which offers a different perspective of our great game. Mix those two together with insightful and humorous guests who don't take themselves too seriously, and you've got a recipe for a great podcast. Follow Inside Golf on Twitter and download Inside Golf wherever you download podcasts. The Honda Classic, the first leg of the Florida Swing. It is here, and we've got a couple of big events coming up, but we're going to start here At PGA national and Andy, your uh, podcast earlier in the week, it came out on Sunday. was fascinating. You always have great insight on the golf course. So why don't you give us an idea of the tough test that these players are going to be facing this week?
1: Yeah, I think this is a super interesting course. I mean, there's water everywhere, right? I believe there's 26 individual water hazards and water comes into play on 15 holes often on the approach shot and off the tee as well. So, What I think is interesting about this course is you actually have a situation where this course plays closer to a major championship than most of the courses we see on the regular PGA Tour schedule. Now, a lot of that is because of the water. A lot of that is because of the wind. It's usually very windy there, right? And a lot of that is because of the firm and fast conditions as well. So this is a rare opportunity on the PGA Tour where I don't think the winning score has been anything lower than minus 12 in the last uh, 10 years. And I think it usually hovers around that six, seven, eight, nine, 10 Mark, which I don't know. I wonder if that's maybe if it's the schedule spot or players are just players have too much of an ego to go to a course (laughs) where they're writing down bigger numbers part of the time, but it's a really interesting week where we get a really difficult, difficult test of golf that you generally only see at major championships. But Not a great feel. So where does that kind of leave us is kind of the interesting uh, thing to think about when thinking about it from a betting perspective.
0: Yeah, I think the field is a little bit of a casualty to the schedule. You know, they're going to go to API. They're just coming from Riviera. We've got the Players Championship in a couple of weeks. So there's just a lot going on and they're not going to play four or five weeks in a row, but it's a, it's an okay field. I, you know, the golf is so deep now and I like all of these guys so much. I don't even care when the field is technically weaker, but um, I do think there is is a bit of a a mindset change. I think there are a lot of guys out there who, when they get to Shriners and they say, oh my God, I've got to get to 25 under par to win this thing. Like I have no chance. I have no chance. But when you sit down and say, okay, if I shoot a 68, two under every single day, I'm going to be in the thick of this. It's not just to make the cut, but to, you know, contend for victory. And I do think that there are some guys that lick their chops when they get to situations like this, even though it will be a tough test. I would completely agree with you. I think
1: there's some, and, and players will say this too, in the quotes, like guys like, uh, Zalatoris has said, even recently, he's like, I eat on, I think my game is better suited for major championship courses. Guys understand this, right? Guys like Patrick Reed, for example, who, uh, has a really great short game, right? And he's a really good wind player and he's a really good scrambler and stuff like that. And guys like Christian Bazadenhout and Mackenzie Hughes, where yeah. if you get a low greens and regulation percentage and everyone's missing these greens and bunker play suddenly really matters and short game really matters and scrambling suddenly really matters. And it's not just always about who can get crazy, crazy hot with the putter. It's more about who can survive. Norin is another guy that comes to mind. I agree. I think you want to really be targeting those types of players that have shown us before that they can play great in wind. They can play great in major championships. They're good scramblers. And I'm sure we'll get into some of those players later when we talk about our one and dones and the prize picks. But I completely agree. I think I think you specifically want to be looking for types of guys who thrive in those conditions.
0: Were you a little bit surprised by the odds board this week? Because when I woke up on Monday morning and saw that Tommy Fleetwood was 14 to one and that Brooks Kepka was at the time, I think he was 22 to one. I was like, oh my gosh, this is like, what, what's going on here? And they've got, you know, Sung Jay and Tommy and, and Louis Eustace and Daniel Berger, Billy Horschel, like all at the top of the board. Is there anything that kind of surprised you from the makeup of that betting board this week? So yes, because, and here was my take on my
1: working theory with burger. I want to float this by you because maybe you have an opinion on this to help me try and figure this out. My thought was, obviously we have the injury concern going on Mm. with burger right now, right? My thought was if they opened burger at 12 or 13 to one, and he was the favorite, then there was a very good chance that burger was completely healthy because Mm. I think that sports books, if I had to guess, they probably have more information than you people think they're in the Twitter. know.
0: You think you I, think I, they're reaching out to the burger team?
1: I do think so. A little bit, a little bit. Right. So the fact that burger opens up at 18 to one behind guys like Fleetwood and stuff like that, because statistically, Rick, you know, better than anyone else, like. You can make a very, very easy case that Burger should be the favorite this week, statistically, sure. right? Sure. So that so that was a working theory that I had to see burger open up at 18 to one, same price as Billy Hole behind guys
0: like Fleetwood. That makes me a little bit more concerned about his injury. So When you start kind of, uh, you know, breaking this whole thing down and you've seen that we've had a couple of longer shot winners win this event, do you think that there's an increased level of volatility? Did your, did your betting card or will your betting card kind of focus on some of those triple digit guys? Or do you think that the vast majority of the win equity lives at the top of this board? I'm pretty concentrated at the top. I mean, I
1: have, I don't have anyone below 20, but I have, I think four or five guys in between 20 and 80 right and you actually look at it over the over the years rick so what i found super interesting was four of the last 10 years a guy under 20 to one has won this tournament with right. uh adam scott ricky fowler um rory justin thomas i think and four out of the last 10 years a guy above 300 to one right has also won this is also one the tournament. two ends
0: of the spectrum so what does that mean nothing probably in nothing, my opinion but, yeah you know. bet the guys who you wanted that <laughs> yeah that makes sense i like it and um just in terms of uh kind of florida right we did we did the california swing we're getting to florida these are generally courses that are uh and correct me if i'm wrong andy generally more flat uh the greens uh also lacking the undulation that we might have seen at some parts of the california swing and of course uh the the main design feature seemingly water and also concerns around wind is that an accurate assessment of what we're going to get in Florida. Very accurate assessment. And I think one thing to keep in mind is
1: a lot of the guys in this field are very used to playing Florida golf, right? I mean, there's, they all live there. Yeah. (laughs) They all, they all live there. Right. So even if their course history or, you know, even if guys haven't played here before or haven't played super well here before, chances are like the best comp courses that you're going to find for this week are not courses on the PGA tour. they are actually courses like the bears club and Metalist that these right. guys play every single day. So I do think, I mean, how much are you weighing that Rick? Like how much I always struggle with kind of unquantifiable things, but are you specifically giving a bump to guys that are, you know, live in the Jupiter area?
0: I do also struggle with saying, oh, well, if you're, you know, living the jupe life, uh, I'll give you up, you know, 15% extra or something like that. I don't know what the number is, but we hear it all the time from these guys and the stats tend to bear it out. They're a little bit noisy, but they do tend to bear it out like where if you're playing in a place where you are more familiar, whether that's because you grew up there, you went to college there, you live there now they play better and it doesn't necessarily mean their home course, but a lot of guys talk about, Hey, I can read the grain a little bit better when I'm in Florida or something like that, or the way that my club interacts with the grass. I am just more familiar with it. I'm doing less guessing. So I don't know how to quantify it either Andy, but yeah, it it is, it is by all accounts, a real thing. Yeah. And
1: I've been, I've been banging the drum on, agronomy matters for a very long time. And the only reason why I got to that point was from reading the player quotes, yeah. right? Like I the players say this, right? Like I was even reading one from Russell Henley where he said, I struggle. I, I don't feel super comfortable on the West coast, right? I don't love Poa. I'm very, very comfortable on Bermuda. Right. And I, I think you can kind of look at that and say, okay, these guys are very comfortable playing Florida golf. These guys are very comfortable on Bermuda. This is where they practice, right? So all of the weeks that they're not playing, they're grinding under these types of conditions. I do think it matters some. And I actually, I talked about it a little in my podcast. I was like, okay, here are the list of guys that I can find that I know live in Palm Beach County. How much I want to talk about it because I think it's important. How much you want to weigh that, completely up to you. Yeah.
0: Fair enough. Fair enough. Fair enough. Okay. Here's what we are going to do. We've got to get to the picks. What everybody is here for. Apparently we're going to do our one and done. We're going to do head to head matchups and we're going to do props because there's big news. There's a lot to unwrap. And I think there's a lot of money to be made, but we're going to do it right after this break. All of the tools and data that you see me use on this channel is from my site, rickrungood.com. RickRunGood.com is one of the largest golf databases on the planet, and it's geared towards making your DFS and betting research process as efficient as possible. There are literally millions of data points in the database, and while that might sound intimidating, the tools that I've built allow you to cut through the data quickly, choose what's important to use, and even build lineups that are ready for import directly into DraftKings. Outside of that, membership gets you access to the Slack channel, currently 2,000 run Gooders who are ready to share insights and have a little fun i love it and you will too sign up at rickrungood.com let's prop it like it's hot yeah we're gonna go through the props available at prize picks and they have been absolutely killing it uh this golf season so they've made a big investment into the product you no longer have to choose one over and one under you can kind of stay on the same side of things the offerings andy have been um, huge, right? I mean, the hole-by-hole hole stuff. They did uh, hole 11 scoring last week. They're doing it again this week with not only two separate holes that you can do single hole props on, but they've created props for the bear trap. So you can pick a golfer. Everybody is set to 10 and a half strokes to get through the bear trap. You can go over or under, which is going to be um an unbelievable sweat, I imagine.
1: Yeah, and we have specific bear trap data right so you can look at yeah we you can look at guys who over the years have been really really good on this stretch of holes and who have been terrible off the top of my head it's like
0: ryan palmer's been the worst right russell knox has been the best um, so that is, I believe in terms of, I think that's total, uh, yes, to a uh, total score to par. I believe that is correct. And Ryan Palmer's just like dumped a million balls into the drink and all that good <laughs> stuff. So, uh, I'll, I'll, sh- I'll show you in a second, um, a, a spreadsheet that I have, but the, the low key, awesome thing about this, and this is really smart by, by Prize picks the featured holes like the PGA Tour live coverage uh 15 and 17 the two par 3s that are in the bear trap they're both featured holes and i imagine they're going to show a lot of 16 as well so you're not only going to be able to make the props you're going to be able to watch them which to me is like the main reason most of the people do this right like if i bet something on ryan palmer or i have in my draft kings lineup like i want to see his shots and the fact that they chose a way to make sure we can see the shots is like like I cannot wait to just fire up featured holes and have at this.
1: Very smart, right? This is the future. This is something that we've talked about a bunch before on this show is like, how can we line these up to service the needs of people like us as the gambling and fantasy industry continues to grow. And I think what prize picks is doing is really smart, right? We've talked about this before too, Rick, where, you know, anytime a course has some character, is yes. really good for the PGA tour, right? Is really yes. good for that tournament. And what is the character of the Honda Classic, right? It's the bear trap. It's the fact that this course is super, super hard. And everyone knows this. And everyone's afraid of the bear trap and how difficult it is. Lean into that, right? Like lean into that. That's what every uh that's what everyone should be doing
0: highly recommend you use the code rick uh, if you want to sign up and play and join because it's been awesome and you know what this is really setting up for andy like imagine uh, like i'll guarantee it right now there will be an amen corner prop right which is just going to be absolutely perfect again it aligns with the stream um no better time and you know it resolves itself in what 45 minutes whatever it takes to play those three holes 30 minutes yeah it's it's going to be special. I'm 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 loving what's what's coming out of Prize Picks right now. Probably
1: a 17th hole at Sawgrass too, right? Oh, I imagine. Yeah.
0: Yeah. See, see all these holes so, that too. have like a a uh, iconic hole or iconic stretch of holes, like it makes too much sense to to just fire those up as props. Yeah, I would agree. Let's. I'm actually going to start with mine because we're talking about the bear trap. Okay. So, uh, Mina, share my screen here. It's got my. Here we go. So I've compiled the data for, and I'll, I'm actually going to email this out in my newsletter. Uh, hopefully today with all of the golfers that are available on prize picks and all of the times they've gone through the bear trap, Andy. So it's part three, part four, part three, and there's a couple of things worth noting. Let me see if I can scroll down a little. There we go. Um, Ricky Fowler has played the bear trap 20 different times. He has gone under 10 and a half. So basically playing it in par or better 85% of the time on the flip side, Patrick Reed's only gone through it four times has never played it at par or better. First, let's start with this, Andy. Do you think this matters, right? Do you think that this is predictive information or do you think it is a bit reactive?
1: Loaded question, Rick. Uh p- predictive. I don't know if predictive is the right word. Okay. I do think that I, I do think that certain players, um, these are specific holes, and certain holes, um, can fit a player's eye based on shot shape. And when you're dealing with 20 plus rounds of data, um, I think that is a large enough sample size to say, okay, this hole specifically fits a player's eye. So predictive, I'm not sure, because once you get into the word predictive, you're also dealing with all these other variables, which is like, listen, when Ricky played the bear trap, he was a different player than Ricky is right now. So maybe, so maybe Ricky stood on the 16th tee and that was when Ricky was one of the best 30 iron players in the world. And he said, okay, I hit my seven iron really, really good right now. Ricky may not be that guy right now. So I think predictive, I'm not so sure about predictive, but I do think there's something to it. I think you should look
0: at it. Okay, well, this leads me into my first prop, which is Alex Noren to go through the bear trap in under 10 and a half for round one. And if you look at the numbers, he's played the bear trap 10 different times on eight occasions. He has gone under. He is also, believe it or not, Andy, 12th in par three scoring this year, which I think makes sense because. Like par three, if you make a par on a par three, you're doing very well, right? Uh, On the PGA tour, these guys make their hay on the fives and the fours, Uh, a a three scoring average on the par threes is really, really good. And he's kind of that grinder, right? If he misses the green, I trust him to get up and down. I think when you're playing hard holes like this, and it's kind of bared out by the 10 trips through the bear trap, I, I think he's up for the challenge.
1: Yeah, hundred percent. I bet Alex Norin this week. So Ooh, give me yeah, all cool. the Alex Norin everywhere. He is a Bears club guy. He will be sleeping in his home bed. I actually have one of the guys that I play out here in California with play some golf with Noren down at the Bears club in Florida in the wintertime lives on the range, Rick, like mm. literally sleeps there. Yeah, um, a grinder. And- He is an absolute grinder. And so I think this is kind of the perfect setup for him this week. Like Noren's the type of player, Rick, where our players are going to hit it in the water this week, right? Like there's too many landmines. If Noren hits his opening tee shot in the water, I trust him to
0: rebound. I completely agree with you. Um, So Noren under 10 and a half round one, that will be my first uh, prize picks prop for this week. Andy, why don't we move on to your first for this week? So I've
1: just been loving these greens and regulations ones, Rick. And I try and do some I try and do some different ones, but I just there were two greens and regulations ones that really caught my attention. It's just a math equation, right? So Billy Horschel, let's start with him. He's 112th in this field in strokes gain approach. He's lost 12.4 strokes on approach this year through four tournaments. And PGA National has a greens and regulation percentage of just under 59%. Mm. So Billy Horschel, who's a below average iron player, they're saying, well, he's going to go way above what average iron players, average iron players on PGA national should hit about 10.7 greens per round. But now you're taking a below average iron player and asking them to hit over 12, like go to prize picks right now and take advantage (laughs) of this stuff, please. Uh
0: yeah. So I should note the bear trap lines probably aren't moving the single, the single whole lines. I think they're hard to move because you can't really move them. You know, four and a half last week, 10 and a half this week, it's going to be hard to move. These are moving. These are the ones that yeah. move right after it comes out of Andy's mouth or right after an email gets sent out or a tweet gets sent out. So if you want Billy Horschel under 12 and not under 11 and a half, which he will almost certainly be in about 30 minutes, uh, you should go do it right now. Right. That's what we've seen. Andy. Yeah.
1: And, and, they should, they should be moving some of these based on action and <laughs> and stuff like that. And I think they generally start high, which makes sense to me, Rick, because I think just in general, at a macro yeah. level, people like rooting for overs, but I also think that's why you see on this show, we both tend
0: to give out a lot of unders,
1: unders. <laughs> Yeah, because yeah, there's a lot of
0: opportunity there. Exactly. All right. Well, I've gotten over for you for my next one, but in golf over in this situation is kind of like bad. So I'm yeah. going with Brooks Kepka <laughs> over 68 and a half strokes in round one. And Andy, I stared at this for a long time. I'll be the first to admit. I have no idea what version of Brooks Kepka we are going to get this week. I don't know what version we're going to get from him from day to day, but the way that I kind of looked at this is to get beat on this, you know, a 68 is likely going to be about three strokes better than the field when this scoring average comes out, probably around 71 or something like that, like we've seen historically. And he's only gained three strokes on the field three times in the 20 rounds that he's played around PGA national. So I'm willing to just kind of embrace the, the volatility of, of Brooks Kepka, say, go out and try to gain three shots on the field in round one. I don't think you can do it, but man um, no outcome would be all that surprising for me this week. I have, I am so lost with Brooks,
1: Rick, at this point. Like, I can't think of a player that I've gotten wrong more consistently than Brooks. Um, I'm with you. I, I don't, I don't really know what to make of him either, but I think it's a pretty safe bet to assume that his game is still not great right now. And, and especially, you know, when you, factor in the long-term scoring average
0: of how this course plays. I think that number's too low. Andy, we've got uh, Billy Horschel under 12 greens in regulation. We've got Brooks Kepka over 68.5 in round one. We've got Alex Norin going through the bear trap in under 10 and a half strokes. Round us out with your final prop for this week. Okay. So I
1: went back to the well with the greens and regulations one because again, I think these are too high and I think all of Our listeners should use promo code Rick right now and bet these. But I looked at Gary Woodland under 12 greens in regulation, right? And I like Gary Woodland as a player a lot. I've been banging the drum that he's going to have a resurgent season. Panic level on that take is increasing by the week, I will say. And I look at someone like Woodland who has lost on approach in two of three starts last year. And he's just... Downright a below average iron player right now. So you can continue to play the numbers and say, okay, an average iron player should hit 10.8, 10.9, 10.7 greens in regulation at PGA national. So why is the over under 12, right? Yeah. I don't
0: know who can say, so I'm just going to continue to bet the hunter who can say, I love that. <laughs> yeah. um, there is a comment uh, that I want to get to, cause I think this is interesting. So the comment here from five Incos Daves says, Hey Rick with prize picks now having whole specific props. Is there an edge we can gain from looking at the pins, the PGA releases the night before. So I believe there is Andy. I believe it's one part of the problem solving. So if you're not subscribed or getting notifications, when PGA tour comes. Tweets you're doing it wrong, it's all of the withdrawals, it's the whole location it's the pairings it's it's b s like that that most people don't care about, but it's very, very handy and when you look at pin positions, Andy, you can go back and you can look at historic pins. you can kind of see uh how guys have access to it. there's obviously things like wind and rough and every other condition that's going on on the course, but I do think we get that info the night before it's it's part of the puzzle,
1: yeah, and you you did a really good job talking about it with Riviera with the par five hole that uh, helped us make some money on prize picks too, by looking at that specific pin position and you can say, okay, when this pins over here, that completely changes the entire strategy of the hole. So I think there's a ton of merit into looking at it. The only issue that I would say is, um, They released the pins what the night before like seven or eight PM Eastern. So the numbers may have moved a little bit by then, but I, I think you absolutely should look at it.
0: Yeah. If you if you want to talk about inside information and people probably don't realize this, if you know a caddy, if you know a caddy, um, you can know the pins 24 hours in advance because um, as and you probably know this, Andy, when they're playing round one there is a very small white spray painted dot on the green somewhere that will be the next day's pin position. So when you see those guys get to the green, you'll actually see them walking off other parts of the green because that tells them where the pin is going to be tomorrow. So if you have access to a caddy uh, out there on the PGA tour, you could actually get the pins much earlier than what the PGA tour comms uh, tweets them out.
1: Okay. So message us if you're if you're on site this week and we will uh yeah we will continue to eat on these prize picks
0: and that's the other thing yeah if you're out there you can usually see i'm always looking for the little white spray painted dot it's very small it's like the size of a nickel maybe a quarter um if you can see it uh tell us where the pins are going to be on the following day because that would be very very handy okay andy um We've got to get to our head to head matchups, which by the way, whew, two winning weeks for us. I'll describe that in just one second. And of course we are going to give our one and done selections, but I'm going to take a quick coffee break and we'll see you on the other side. If you're not playing Daily Fantasy on prize picks, then you're not really playing Daily Fantasy. They offer nothing but props and they do it better than anyone else. You pick two to five players on an over under and can win up to 10 times on any entry. They allow mixed sport entries, meaning you can take the over on LeBron James and the under on John Rom. The golf specific props are amazing. Birdies or better, fairways hit, greens in regulation, round score, and now, yes, single hole props. That's right. What score will a golfer make on a specific hole? I have prize specific tools on my website to help you build the best entries. And now prize is offering a 100% instant deposit match up to $100. Just use the code Rick at sign up or click the link in the description. That's code Rick. Good luck. Two winning weeks for us in the head to head matchups last week. I went three and two climbing back to uh, close to 500 for the year now, nine and 11, but Andy, Five and oh, which is the second time in four weeks you have done that, and your uh, total since we've been keeping track of this 14 and six. So, my friend, uh, a big hat tip to you because uh, you've been lining my pockets with some matchup picks.
1: (laughs) Yeah, so one thing that I've always said, Rick, is that we are both like we're both in the content business where we do a bunch of shows, and I think what people really care about on Twitter for the most part is talking about outrights, right? Like outrights. Mm -hmm. That's typically what I tend to talk about on my show. We go through the betting board and, and look at everyone's outrights numbers. But if you ask like, professional gamblers, how they make money betting off of golf and how they build a bankroll long-term. It's all through these matchups. And I've had a ton of success betting matchups. I know they aren't as sexy as the outrights, but I really think there's a huge opportunity there if you're willing to take them. I know the scores aren't as big, but I'm really glad we've integrated them as a part of the show because it's a part of my process every single week.
0: Yeah. And it also just allows us to talk about more golfers and really dive into it because the matchups that I'm pulling here, uh, these are from DraftKings. Sometimes I use uh, Caesars. You know, you might not have access to all of these matchups, but talking about more individual players, I think is helpful for everyone. So let's jump this uh, off with Kind of an interesting one. Brooks Kepka over, or excuse me, Brooks Kepka versus Keith Mitchell. Obviously, we talked about Brooks Kepka already, Andy, but Keith Mitchell's been great around PGA National. Which side would you like on this matchup?
1: I'm going to go with Keith Mitchell. I really like Keith Mitchell this week. Obviously he's a former winner here, so we know he could do it on this course. And Keith Mitchell's just playing some really, really good golf right now. Um, Like he, he's been, he was lingering in Phoenix. The ball striking has been excellent. I look at Keith Mitchell's game and I think what is Keith Mitchell's biggest weakness historically it's been irons and that's Mm -hmm. what he's really starting to turn around lately. So I love a guy like Keith Mitchell, who I think is really starting to figure out the weakest point of his game. And now returns to a course that he's already experienced loads of success at.
0: Yeah, I'm with you on Keith Mitchell. One of the ways to get in trouble around PGA Nationals, you hit it in the water. You can do that on your tee shot. You can do it on your approach shot. Keith Mitchell is phenomenal off the tee and has been for a while. And as Andy indicates, uh, the approach play coming around. And of course, the victory here certainly goes a long way. So I'm with you there. Keith Mitchell for both Andy and I over Brooks Kepka. Sung J M versus Tommy Fleetwood. I'll go first. I'll go with Sungjae. I think pretty objectively, he's best player in the field. Yeah. Daniel Berger, maybe, but like the best situation with what he's done around PGA national, the way he's playing right now. Um, I don't, again, Tommy Fleetwood has been much better than I think people want to give him credit for because his European tour stuff has been pretty good recently going back to a place that he's had uh awesome, awesome results at, but I, I'm just slow to buy Tommy Fleetwood at the moment. I'll go with Sun here. Very fair. I think the you know
1: not fav- factoring in odds sung j makes the most sense i'm going to zag a little bit here i think probably if they they made this matchup fleetwood would be like plus 120 or plus 125 or something like that i'm going to i'm going to go with do you have it up i'm, I'm going to pull it up yeah okay so i'm going to go with fleetwood because i mean he's been great at the honda classic right he he's had uh, he's almost won here before and he's You're right. He's playing better in Europe than people want to think. We just, we don't look at European data as much, but he's been hitting the ball really, really well in Europe. And I think we have an opportunity here where Fleetwood gets to a course where it's a little bit harder. It's a little bit windier. I look at what Fleetwood has done at places like Shinnecock and Royal Portrush. And I, I just think this kind of plays right into his hands. And I, one thing I always look at Rick, the last thing I'll say in Fleetwood, his odds are really low this week. Like yeah. on DraftKings, he's like 14 to one. And so, in my opinion, that's books saying, Hey, we're we're good on your Tommy Fleetwood action this week. Like mm. we take that action somewhere else, bet someone else, but like we don't need your Fleetwood action. So I'm gonna roll the dice with Fleetwood this week.
0: Sung J M is minus 140, which I'm pretty sure was minus 120 when I pulled this. I swear it was minus 120. I'd have to, I'd have to go back and maybe look at the movement here, but I'm pretty sure there's steam coming in on Sung Jae here, Tommy Fleetwood plus 115. Uh next up, Patrick Reed versus Ricky Fowler. I don't like either one of these guys, but we've got to make a decision here, Andy. Which side would you like? I'm going to zag. I Patrick Reed. I mean, what? There's no
1: case. All right. All right. There's, there's no, no case, case for, for either him. of these guys, is there? Yeah, there's no case for either of these guys. What I will say about Patrick Reed is, um, on paper, I really like this course for him, right? I think Patrick Reed is at his best when it's windy, difficult conditions, right? Um, you know, and this is a weaker field, so I look at when is when is the only time that Patrick Reed has played good golf over the last six months? Bermuda, right, where he almost won the Bermuda. That's another yeah. Bermuda course, um, firm and fast super, super windy conditions and a weak field. So I just like a situation where it's going to be a yuck it up week. Even the best ball strikers are going to hit the ball in the water. And suddenly you glance up at the leaderboard and it's like, oh yeah, of course, Patrick Reed is T seven right now. He's the best scrambler in this field and the best player in this field in difficult scoring conditions over a large sample
0: size. So I'm going to roll the dice with Patrick Reed. I feel terrible about it. And I'll roll the dice with Ricky Fowler and I feel terrible about it as well. Yeah. I mean, there's, there's, uh, the, the recent form, or I should say long-term form. It's been basically 18 months, two years since we've seen kind of good Ricky, but he's won here before. Um, you know, he's got a runner up finish. He's got a lot of great finishes at the Honda classic. Again, he plays the bear trap very well. Is it because it fits his eye? I hope so. And I hope it's not just because he was a better player. The 20 other times that he went through the bear trap so um i'll take ricky as you mentioned i'm not comfortable with it yeah yeah how can you be <laughs> how can you be denny mccarthy versus lee westwood i'll spoil it you and i are both on the same page which side are we going to denny i think yeah. this is kind of an easy one i don't i don't trust lee westwood anymore
1: i don't know i i just i denny read did denny read out really well for you too by the way, because yeah, in my you, like if in you the do models, like um was... if you do like sixteen or twenty four rounds, Denny's like the guy. He's played great. Yeah, yeah. So I'm I'm gonna roll the dice with Denny. Great Bermuda putter. Um, I think he's gonna have a good week. I like Denny this week.
0: And we're coming up on the one year anniversary of like remember the back to back runner up finishes for Lee Westwood, and it was like the resurgence of Lee Westwood. Yeah, he hasn't been good since. Right. So, um, you give me Denny and even though his, you know, 24 rounds go back to last season and things like that. Uh, he also had like a top five finish here last year. Uh, Yeah. I, um, quickly picked Denny's name, which I imagine means we're on the wrong side of it. And Lee Westwood's just going to win this thing. But, uh, yeah, both on, both on Denny there. That leaves us with Brian Harmon versus Aaron Wise. I'll go first. I'm buying into the good things that are coming out of the Wise camp, and quite frankly, if you're going to buy those things, there are a few spots better than PGA National for him. He's got some good results here as well. The flatter courses uh, allow for the 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 worst putters or the 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 wor- yeah more bad putters. I don't even know what word I'm looking for to find some success here. So I'm going to go with Aaron wise over Brian Harmon.
1: Yeah, this is a tough one. I I like both of these guys a lot this week. I I'm playing both of these guys in DraftKings. I bet Brian Harmon. Um, so I'm going to ride with Harmon. Um, he has been hitting the ball. He he had this like terrible ball striking run for like six months. And then suddenly he started to get it going again at the beginning of this season. And surprisingly, the only thing that Harmon really hasn't had working that well is the putter and, Harmon is a really good Bermuda putter. Um he's surprisingly good in like difficult scoring conditions, right? He's actually had some more success at US Opens and on harder courses than you would think. Um pretty decent wind player too. He hits like a very low piercing draw um that I think should play well in the wind. So I'll take Harmon, but I like both of these guys. These are this is these are
0: tough ones. Producer Mina doing fantastic work as always. As she always does. Andy, that leaves us with one Oh, final thing to do. It's our one and done selections. As indicated, you are like $1.7 million in the clear, and you have an opportunity to add to that lead this week. So as our leader, you get to lead us off. I'm going to go with Louie, who we haven't really... Where do you net out on Louie this week, Rick? Pretty good. Yeah. Listen, yeah. um, you know, the, the only concerns around Louie a couple of weeks ago when he played was like oh we haven't seen him in 3 months and we kind of dispelled that very very quickly it's not like yeah, he, he was... sits on his couch and then he played well he played like louis he putted well he gained across the board and yeah i mean if you look at like the last 100 rounds louis louis Houston's name is very close to the top of the list on the PGA tour he's been very very good so yes i'm i'm quite warm on louis Houston
1: yeah i'm trying to think like where else would i want to use louis I don't know if I want to use Louie at majors. Obviously you can make that case, but I still think I would like rather use there's some other guys I would rather use ahead of him at, at major still. And I think we have the rare opportunity this week with Louie where how often ever do we get major championship courses and major championship conditions with a bad field. That's true. right. So Perfect. Yeah, Perfect type of course for Louis Useason, except good he's point. not having to beat Morikawa and Rahm and Hovland and Cantley and all those guys. So I think this is kind of the perfect spot to deploy Louis.
0: That's actually a really fascinating point you just made. Yeah, I think it is a good spot as well. Okay, here's the fade of the week for all you people who have joined just for this moment uh, to hopefully end my streak of six consecutive missed cuts. And to hopefully add another dollar to my total, I am going with Billy Horschel, which I'm not a big Billy guy, but I think his metrics are better than people want to give him credit for. There's also kind of a weird thing where I don't know. Like, listen, I'm getting a top five guy in the betting odds that I'm really not going to play anywhere else. Outside of maybe Zurich, if we do that and he gets like Sam Burns or somebody again. But like, I have little reason to save Billy. He's like 18 to one. I think I just have to do it and hope to God he plays the weekend.
1: Billy's a good pick. It makes sense. It's a similar thing with Louis, right? It's like, where else are you going to use? Billy Horschel, right? Like maybe the Wyndham, maybe the, probably still not the match play, right? I guess maybe Zero. No, what are the chances he goes back
0: to back, right?
1: <laughs> yeah. So I, I really like the pick. I think it's a sound pick. He's been playing really good golf lately. He was in the mix at Tory. He came out of yeah, nowhere in Phoenix. Yeah, yeah. He's been really good. So I
0: feel good about it for you. This is the week the, I think this is the, you can't go seven in a row right? Although I think I thought that last week as well. Um, Okay, Andy, any final thoughts for Honda or anything else before we get out of here?
1: I don't think so, man. I'm excited for this tournament. I'm kind of even more excited to talk more Saudi stuff with you later in the week, so definitely look out for that podcast later this week.
0: Yeah, that'll be Thursday and then Andy and I will be back for the Friday scramble where we'll do kind of, you know, first round recap, looking ahead to round two, props, odds for the rest of the honda classic so that will be fun um again presented by prize picks the code you're looking for is rick 100 percent instant deposit match up to 100 dollars and it's absolutely fascinating what they're doing over there big thanks to producer mina does all the hard work behind the scenes that right there is andy lack she uh, you can find him on twitter at ADP Lack sports and you can find me at rick run good this has been your tuesday scramble we'll catch you next time